0: Thank you for listening to this message from Flow Church, a brand new church plant in the city of Melbourne, Australia. We pray that this word will help you experience and
1: express the goodness of God in every sphere and season of life.
0: All right, so the last couple of weeks, Um, basically the whole of this year we have been going through the book of Luke Um, last year we went through the book of John and this year we went through the book of Luke uh, and we've been really enjoying it but we are going to be taking a slight detour today we are going to be what I'm calling revision 2022 because I'm so smart revision Sunday Uh, and last year in December basically two months ago we did do a bit of a vision Sunday because we're like we are kicked Delta's butt. We're so good. We're going to regroup. We're going to have visions. We're going to have plans. How many people were, were with me with their plans and their visions around ever? You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us. Uh, and so, um, obviously, things have changed in the last two months. Uh and so I thought today would be a good opportunity to do a little bit of like a recap and also just a bit of a recalibration about some of the um, you know some of the things that we're planning for this year. Most of it is going um to be um the same. And so we're actually doing a recording as well um, of today's um service. So for those who aren't able to be here, but even last year in December, when we were trying to do a little bit of like a vision casting for the year. It was also an opportunity for us to just regather and to kind of regroup after a significant period of open, close, open, close, you know, the two-week lockdown suddenly became too long lockdown. Right. Um, but even at that point of time, even though there was some stuff that I felt God has already kind of given me for our church, I really struggled to kind of find language around, um, you know, what this year is, is going um, to be about. And I think... Um, today, there's actually going to be more clarity and hopefully we can all be on the same page. Um, and m- most importantly, not just as a church, but also with what God is doing. So we're going to look at Matthew 14, to 33 Ben, can you read for us? It's just there.
2: Matthew 14, 22-33 uh, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verses 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Verses 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him,
3: saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen,
0: amen. Thank you. All right, let's just pray and pray that God will speak to us. (sighs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, that. You know, even throughout the book of Luke, we've read that your word goes forth and it will not fail. And so we pray that your word will not fail today, God. I pray that your word will um, be planted so deep in each of our hearts, Lord. We might be a collective today, but you also have an individual word for each of us. And so I pray, speak to us clearly um, in love and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying last year around December, I I was really struggling, I, I got a general direction of where we were going, but really struggling with kind of the language of what Um, this year is going to be about. And funnily enough, it was during COVID that I felt the word of the Lord came to me. I don't know, I was seeing things during COVID. It could be the Lord, it could be something else, but we're sticking with this particular word. And it alliterates, so it has to be the Lord. Um, But the the phrase that came to me is consistent confidence. And, And that's my prayer, is that each of us, um, in our community, it's going to be a, um, it's going to be marked by consistent confidence. And I think that's actually a really good working definition of faith. You know, this passage, there's so much it is so rich. there's so much stuff in this passage, but one of the things that stands out that this is really a, a passage that speaks to us about faith. And actually, in the Hebrew, um the word faith, often we think of it as just like belief or or mental assent. Um, but In the Hebrew, it's very hard to tear apart faith and faithfulness. Even in the English language, we talk about being faithful and faith, right? Because we think, oh, you just need to believe; it's not about works. And there is, there definitely is, um, you know, reason for that. We we don't want to be a works-based, you know, where we're trying to earn God's favor and and, and things like that. But I I believe that. um, I think we all know in our own lives you can have um, works without faith. But you can't have faith without works like if you're going to have faith in something it's, it's going to require you to take steps if you believe that you have a dream that god has given you it's not just something that you dream in your head you actually take steps and i think that's similar with with love you can give without love but you can't love without giving you know it kind of goes hand in hand and so um When we talk about faith, it's not just about confidence, but it's also about consistency. It's also, it's not just about faith, but it's also about faithfulness. And in the scriptures, sometimes they'll use the same words, but in the English, they'll either say faithful or they'll say faith. It's, it's kind of intertwined, um, together, right? Peter, it's very easy to say, Peter, Jesus, I believe you. But there's the walking on water part, right? There's the walking on water. It's like Jesus, I believe you from the boat over here, right? So, so in uh, the last um, couple of years, obviously there has been so much opportunity for us to exercise our faith, right? Unlike Peter, we don't really have a choice. Where Peter was like, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come out of the water. Jesus didn't even wait for us to ask. He's like, yeah, you're in the water. <laughs> Everyone is just tipped over. Everyone is just getting out of the boat and into the water. And one of the things that's so exciting and encouraging is that the thing that was going to drown Peter when his eyes was fixed on Jesus became the platform that he could walk on. And, And that is kind of like this story really speaks to me because sometimes I'm walking on water. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes water is walking on me, you know, and I'm like, Jesus, save me! And then, like, He reaches out and 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 He grabs me, um, and and you know, I, I really want to 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 to. I pray that, you know, more days for us and that this year is going to be marked more by walking on water than, than kind of drowning in water. But the focus is what? where is our eyes fixed on? What is our attention centered upon? It's his here that when, um, you know, Peter was focusing on Jesus and his voice and he coming he was walking on water. But then when Peter started seeing the wind and the crisis and all the kind of stuff, he started drowning. And then that, that was when he actually like called out um, to, to to Jesus, to, to save him. And so if we're going to be a community and individuals that is marked by consistent confidence, then we need to be Jesus-centered. And that's part of the, the, the mission statement of our church is to be a diverse Jesus-centered community. And so I want to really think practically, okay, how can we exercise our faith in this way? How can we be Jesus-centered this year so that we can have consistent confidence and there's basically two things that is going to be like the main things we're going to be focusing on this year there's other things that we're going to be doing as well and every single thing that we're, we're trying to do this year we're trying to look through the lens and the patterns of scripture like what scripture does so a really good example um, that that you'll find in every single church tradition right it's like prayer and fasting um, so, as a church, we're going to lean into Lent coming up in March because, um, you know, this lets us be a part of the global and historical church. But, you know, Pentecostals, we believe that we just came from from the book of Acts, right? Like we just jumped 2,000 years, years of history. But basically, every Pentecostal church also has like a season of prayer and fasting. Why? Because every church finds out, it's like, oh, prayer and fasting, sounds like a good idea. It seems like we should do it. And so... Every church seems to pick up the same patterns over and over again. Another thing that comes up in scripture a lot is pilgrimage. And what pilgrimage is? It'd be conferences and church camps. It's just like, it doesn't matter which denomination, what, whatever it is, you will find that there is, there is something that kind of follows. And it's like, ah, oh, the patterns come up over and over again. And what people do at pilgrimage and church camps is they like to sing songs. And that's why in Psalms, they even have the song of ascents that we've sung today these kind of patterns come up over and over again and so one of the patterns that come up a lot um, that we as a church really want to commit to and i pray that we we commit to with a conviction in our hearts is to is to um communal is to weekly communal worship um i'm hoping to get the acronym cwcw like catch on but i don't know if it is hashtag cwcw commit to weekly communal worship um and yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll try. We'll, we'll try. Um, but one of the things that I do know that is really an opportunity during COVID is that it's given us an opportunity to really um, think about what we believe about the church. Okay, I, I, you know, for those who have been coming for a while, you know that I'm a word nerd. So, um, ecclesiology is the theology around the church. And so, we're going to have a bit of audience participation right now because I would love for people to to to... So, they just kind of share a little bit about what their thoughts, you know, what, what do they think church is? Like, what, what kind of informs your idea of church? Ben, since you have the mic, why don't you pick up? What, what do you think church is? Um,
2: church, for me, it's a community. It's a body of believers where we congreg- not just only just gather for the sake of gathering, but rather we gather with a purpose,
0: together, sharing life with each other. Anyone else? What, 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 what do people think we need church to have? If, when you think of like walking into a church, can you even walk into a church like what, you know, like those, those kind of thoughts. What, is Zoom church? <laughs> you know, is Zoom church? Like, like there's all these things that people have to, to, to think about. So if, if we're having like a church gathering or meeting, what would people expect us to be doing?
3: welcoming people and then just like you know um, getting to know like if someone let's say comes into the church like the first time like all we do at the church is to like welcome them with open arms and then get to know them where they are so like where they are at but yeah, it's just like that one we give them the want that they do that like they, they want
0: authentic living sense of belonging community welcoming what, what do people think about like um worship or or studying our scriptures anyone has kind of like thoughts around that
1: <laughs>
0: i was just agreeing with everyone
3: um yeah i, I mean i yeah my my personal belief whatever it is that I, I love to see worship um but It's not necessarily music. Um, It's just the the act of of magnifying God Um, that I think is is done as a group. Um, Such a powerful thing, Um, and it's yeah yeah that is that is definitely one thing I would love to see every every time.
0: Yeah, that's actually so much stuff to unpack, um, and, and once again, Bible nerd, right, <laughs> and word nerd. Um, the reason why we call church service a service is because initially they did think of it as a service to God. And so the um, I'm pretty sure the Greek word, maybe the Latin word, but the word liturgia is service. So the word liturgy, when we talk about liturgical worship, it comes and when we talk about a Sunday service, it actually came from the word liturgia, And it's the same word that they talk about when they talk about like ministers doing public works and stuff like that, they use the same word. And we use the same word, we talk about service, we talk about room service, we talk about, you know, fast food service and all that kind of stuff. So that actually came from that sense of like serving God, We talk about community serving other people um but today i want to kind of blow your minds a little bit because my mind was kind of blown uh when when i was thinking about the word church and the original word for church is um ecclesia that's like the Greek term for 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 church and that's why we have the word um ecclesiology so we're not going to turn our bibles what we're going to do is we're going to turn to a wikipedia entry um look for ecclesia greek i think So, it's E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A, Ecclesia, and I think it's the one that says Greek, or Greek city, it should pop up. Now look, I wouldn't usually ask people to cite Wikipedia. Don't do that. Anyone who's studying, please don't cite Wikipedia. But I cross-referenced it with Britannica. And also, it's just like the easiest website to kind of like check out. But okay, so so the, the cool thing, the reason why I want to kind of bring this up is that Jesus could have used any word to describe this community of believers, right? This New Testament community of believers. But Jesus didn't come up with a religious term. Jesus didn't use a term like temple or or, or synagogue, which is, um, which is you know a Hebrew word for gathering, but he used the word ecclesia, and it's really interesting because this word was already actually around. So I'm going to read out um, what it is. Okay, the ecclesia was the assembly of the citizens in the democratic city-states of ancient Greece. The ecclesia of ancient Athens is particularly well known. It was the popular assembly open to all male citizens as soon as they qualified for citizenship. Um, in 594 BC, so that's about 600 years before the time of the New Testament, Solon allowed all Athenian citizens to participate regardless of class. Um, the assembly was responsible for declaring war, military strategy, and electing the strategoi, which is um, a general, and other officials. It was responsible for nominating and electing magistrates, thus um, indirectly electing the members of the Arapagos, which is like the ruling court. It has the final say on legislation and the right to call magistrates to account after their year of office. A typical meeting of the assembly probably contained around 6,000 people out of a total population of 30 to 60,000 people. Um, let me just pull down. Okay. It originally met once a month, but later met three or four times per month. The agenda for the Ecclesia was established by the bull, which is like the popular council, so it's kinda of like a ruling or ruling council. Votes were taken by a show of hands, counting of stones, and voting using broken um, pottery. Alright, so when Jesus chose to call us the New Testament community of believers. He didn't pick a religious term. He used a political term. And he didn't just use a political So the impact of the word is that, like, you know, we hear that I will build my church and the very gates of hell will not, depend, will not prevail against it. Jesus basically said, I will build my parliament and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when we're telling people, say, hey, I'm a member of a church. Sometimes we think it's like, okay, I'm coming in with my flat white. I'm sitting in my favorite spot, which is like the fourth row, like close to the front, but not too close. That is like the picture that we're conjuring up, you know, and I get to see my friends and all that kind of stuff. And all the other images that we talk about, family, belonging, worship, all that is, is great. But the word church is actually a political term. And so when we're inviting people to be a part of a church, we are inviting people to be a member of parliament, which is like a crazy thing, which is like a crazy thing. Jesus wasn't just inviting. um, And and one of the interesting things as well, when when you look back in in those times is that this was only available to male citizens, right? And male citizenship was not a given only about 10% of all the residents of the empire were actually citizens. Um, these ecclesias were also local to each city. So each city had its own um, ecclesia, its own kind of governing body that could make decisions about um, different kinds of things. And when Jesus says, oh, I'm building my parliament and you get to be a part of it, it's kind of like a mind blowing thing. Um, and, and so it brings in. A lot more depth and understanding when we talk about citizenships of heaven like when, when God says you're a citizen of heaven and when God says it's neither male nor female Jew nor gentile slave nor free part of it is kind of like oh no you get to be a part of this new community of believers you're a fisherman no you get to be a part of this oh you're uneducated no you get to be a part of it oh your past is a little bit shady no you get to be a part of this because sometimes we can feel like oh my gosh like i would be feeling like pretty intimidated right like if i you know like i can't read i didn't go to school whatever i shouldn't be allowed to participate in this in this ruling body but what does jesus you get to be co-heirs with me right like we get to be co-regents together ruling together working together um and so you know just that that kind of really blew me away that that obviously we see that you know, in 1st Corinthians about how like we're a body, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it's such a collaborative process. You know, like the whole thing about what it means to be church, it's, it's like there's a depth and there's a weight to it that I think our common understanding of church isn't, isn't there. Anyone kind of surprised or, or if you guys all just know, know this, I, just want, I want to just hear thoughts about who, who finds, finds this new? Okay if you if you found new online just give us emojis i can see you on the side like this i feel like a weather <laughs> I feel like the weather channel where you guys can see me but i'm looking at you guys over there who, 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 who like over here who for this like this is kind of like a new new thought or
3: um, i think it's definitely a new thought um not, not quite sure what my comment is yet really um it kind of it makes sense in in um because I think our faith and what we're called to to be as the church is inherently, it should be inherently linked to to what broader society actually looks like and the role that we get to play within that. So I guess it makes a lot of sense that Jesus would be referring to us as a a body that helps make decisions that have much broader kind of consequences. Um, But it's also, he was using a word that, was of the time, and yet, I get the sense that his definition of that was quite different, um, if only because of the types of people that were invited to be part of it, and, and what it would look like. Um, and so it's kind of like uh, that stuff we talk about of like, in the world, but not of the world. It's, it's actually quite, it's quite helpful, because it's like, here's a, here's a term that you can, um, you can understand and, and make reference to, because you see it operating. Um, and. And I want that for you, but I want it in a different way to what you, you currently see.
1: I think it also makes sense when I think about God being a just and a fair God uh, who shows love and mercy and kindness to all. And so then when he calls us and draws us to himself and thinks and decides to make um, a space for us, that he would call us to a structure Whose core function and purpose is to provide justice and kindness to all people and the only way that democracy in any just society exists is if there's a true representation and therefore when justice is being um, brought out across, everyone receives regardless of education, wealth, um, or whatever background they are systems are supposed to be kind and loving and, and you know justice put upon. Everyone say yeah So for me, I didn't know it, of course, but when that uh, makes sense, I was like, oh, yeah, it, He is a just God and He would want us to be a just church within a structure that loves everyone who comes and goes within that structure. That's
3: awesome. <laughs> um, one thing that I um, took out of this is, and I suppose. It's great because our, our, like our parliament today like, kind of still functions the same way. Like, people talk about Athenian democracy as being like the birthplace of democracy and our parliament is like a million little steps in between, but our parliament is like a, a continuation of that. But one of the great things is that with our parliament is that you, and exactly the same with Ecclesia, is that you are either an MP or you're a member of Ecclesia or you aren't um, and there is only Two kinds of people, which is people who are and people who aren't. Which not to focus on um, the negative, but Jesus invites us all. And if you become a part of His family, then we're all a part of His family. Um, we're all in the ecclesia, and there is there's no outside, there's no second, uh, there's no second level of citizens. Yeah, th- yeah, that's right. There's no hierarchy. Um, we're just, we're all members of the ecclesia together, uh, which I think is great. Um, yeah picture of god's family how he wants us to be together
0: yeah and, and that's that's it that's the thing that i want to like kind of broaden our understanding and the richness of what we mean because you know like um language we often kind of think that language reveals but often language conceals so <laughs> this is kind of like a like a dark story um, I, I, like you know I, a lot of you guys would know that i was actually studying in america for a couple of years um and i don't really sound aussie at all it's really funny because america's like oh where are you from and it's like oh i'm from australia it's like oh we hear it and i'm like no one in australia hears it <laughs> no one in australia hears it but i do say a lot of aussie things so i, I would be there it took me so long. i would always order chips I'm like sorry we don't have chips and we got fries so i will always order chips and 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 um you know get it wrong um but one of the things that we always say when people are like you know we want to find out how people are we ask how are you going right like how are you going right so <laughs> they don't say that over there in america they say how are you doing and i really had to correct myself so this is a little bit of a dark story but i think it's funny we'll see how it goes <laughs> i think it's funny but basically i had a friend from church um who 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 I saw, oh, I haven't seen you in a little while. You know, what's been going on? He says, Okay, this is the dark part, right? The funny part's coming out. He's like, Oh, my dad recently passed away and and you know, really tragic. And I was like, Oh no. Like, and he's like, Oh yeah, I had to go and see um yeah. go to this funeral with my mom and, and all the guys. I was like, Oh no, how are you going? And he was like, I'm driving there. <laughs> He was telling me how he was going i was like oh no that was completely not the question i was asking but all that to say is that often like language um we think language reveals but actually language conceals as well and 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 the truth is uh right now most of us actually have to renegotiate our relationship with church do we need to attend church is church important i don't think it's a bad thing because i personally had to struggle everyone who's a christian at some point will struggle with can I just be a follower of Jesus on my own? And it took me a while to kind of struggle, come to my own convictions. Obviously, I'm very convicted right now. I want everybody to be equally convicted to come to church 24-7. But I'm I'm biased. But I also understand that I had to come to that conviction on my own. I don't want people to be guilt-tripped into coming to church. I don't want people to do it just out of Peer pressure, some peer pressure is good, you know, like if your friends don't take drugs, don't take drugs, you know, peer pressure can be good, but it's so much more powerful when it's a conviction. And I really believe that most Christians want to do the right thing. Most Christians want to follow God. If not, they wouldn't identify as a Christian. They wouldn't, um, you know, try to to be a part of a church community. And especially when we're a small church, I don't think anyone is choosing a church like ours to hide in, like the, the fact that you're part of this church, you're counting yourself. At the same time, society is saying, do you need to go to church? Do you need to be a part of a church? Does it have to be weekly? And so this is an opportunity for all of us to really wrestle and think about that. And often when we think we invite people along to church, we're like, come and receive. And yes, that is a part of it. Yes, um, come and, 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 um, you know, because we are a family. I love Acts 2. Towards the end, it talks about what the picture of the church is. But, I don't think we get the other part where it's like, oh, come and be a part of this parliament. There is like a, it's like, what? There is like, like oh, there is like a responsibility. There is a privilege. There's a joy. But sometimes I'm coming just because I have a responsibility um, to, to represent, like we are like the representative of God on earth, right? So there's so many other, um, there's so many other uh, metaphors that God uses for us um, as the body. Um, you know, um, yeah, one is the body. He rep- He talks about us as a body, and right now, um, I feel like we're less of a body and more like a butcher shop with separate parts just kind of hanging out. Like we're not really like super duper connected. And the world is not going to make it easy for us because we're basically living in the Western more a post-Christian society. So one of the things that we're going to realize is people are going to be booking things on Sunday mornings. There's going to be sports games on Sunday mornings. There's going to be engagement parties. There's going to be weddings and all that kind of stuff. And that's okay. And And I do think that we need to show up for the people that we love and we care for the most. But we kind of need to navigate and negotiate that because, trust me, you can fill up every single Sunday with something. Um, because the world isn't necessarily going to respect that. But one of the most powerful ways I think we can be a witness without being a Bible basher is like, oh, I'll come after. I just got to go to church. That's like a powerful witness. And so I think just a good rule of thumb is if you wouldn't take leave from school or from work for this event, don't take time off church. That's just, you know, give yourself four Sundays a year. I think that's kind of like a good, helpful rule, uh, rule of thumb to kind of help um, us think through um, these kind of things. Um, but yeah, like like God also talks about us as a as, as, as a family, um, as as a temple, as a flock. So all these things are like like communal words, and and so you know I really want to encourage us that the substance of what church is has to remain the same throughout the generations. I'm so willing to be flexible um, with what that means now. Like I think every single person who's logging on right now you are participating in church right now like so so it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to look like the way it it is and we can change with the times but i just want to encourage all of us to get a conviction let's make it to church and once again i think this is also a saying that i think um, it's kind of like catching on our trip anything worth doing is worth doing well but anything worth doing is also worth doing badly so sometimes if you have to come late come late drag it it's kind of like brushing your teeth right half a brush is better than not brushing your teeth half a floss is better than not flossing your teeth anything worth doing sometimes it's worth doing badly and I just want to encourage us that's really a conviction is to just commit to weekly communal worship There's something really powerful um, when we gather together and it's not just um, yeah, and I, I really do believe that even in our small groups, there is power and, and um, you know, for those who are relatively new, um, you know, right now it's still a little bit of a bigger small group when we do in a large gathering. But the reason why we're doing small groups and large gatherings is because back in the day, it's not like the way we did church was bad, but back in the day, you could be in a church for 20 years. Like you could be in the same church, you know, everybody, you know, auntie so-and-so saw you when you were born. Like it's just like all sorts of like people, like people knew each other really well. Um, But back in the day, you might only have one pastor preaching all the time. And so, and we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have Vimeo, we didn't have all that kind of stuff. So content was a value proposition. In this day and age, people be moving all the time. Like. It's normal for Christians to have like five churches in their lifetime. And that's not being unfaithful or not committed. You're just moving all the time. And so there's a, there's more of a relationship deficit in our lifetime and content has gone up. You can basically watch a sermon every single hour of the day if you want. And so the reason why we're kind of doing small groups and large gatherings is because small groups give us an opportunity to just build stronger relationships. Um, and um, yeah, and, and to kind of process things um, t- together. So, so that's the first thing I just want to encourage us to, one of the ways to focus on Jesus is by focusing on His body, and that is the, the church and, and, and gathering together. And then the second thing is basically committing to daily devotion. Um, and that's the reason why we're doing a Bible reading plan. Um, I, I, um, I've started a lot of Bible reading plans. <laughs> and I've not completed a lot of Bible reading plans. Like every one of us are just different. I'm one, as you can tell, I'm a nerd, right? I can't read through four chapters because I want to know what every town is, why this person is named what they name. Like it takes me four hours to get through. I, like, I just can't, I just can't do it. So we're trying to do a Bible reading plan that we can all actually, um, that it's kind of achievable for all of us, that it's kind of easy to to, to engage with because I want to set us up for, 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 for a win. But also, I've found in my own life, especially in the last two years, that it makes a massive difference if I've gotten Scripture in me or not. And even if it's just like shoveling it down, you know, just like quickly reading it through, it makes a massive difference. And so, um, once again, we're going to get some audience participation. What are some of the terms in Scripture that God um, refers to? scripture too like what are some of the metaphors so i'll give you one one is um that we love in psalms that god says that his word is a light onto our path and a lamp onto our feet so what other metaphors do we know from from scripture from the bible about the bible yes we got the bread yes we got the bread any other um food metaphors yes yeah, so we got bread, but do we have any other food products that God refers it to? I think Paul talks about how it's milk and meat as well. So, so it's balanced. It's balanced. We got it, We got. We got all the food. We got all the food groups. Another part of scripture also talks about how the Word of God um, is like water. All right, and so that's one of the things that when we're on the food stuff that I want to. I want to get onto is. Um, you can live without food for about 28 days, right? But it doesn't mean that you are thriving. It doesn't mean that you are flourishing. Uh, and, and the truth is, a lot of Christians, we just get our input like sporadically. But in order to thrive and to flourish, we actually need to get food and, and proper nutrition regularly, daily. And once again, they need, that, that can look different, you know, if you're a uni student, you know, meals are going to look different than to when you're a parent with kids, you know, to when you're like, it looks different. Sometimes we're very set on the way we think a meal should look like, but we can be a bit more flexible with that. So I know that what Lockie does is that he doesn't necessarily read um, the Bible, but he, because he does a lot of driving, he plays the, um, the, the audio Bible back. And sometimes that's just the way we, we, we consume. And once again, we need to remember for the majority of the history of the church, most people couldn't read. So the way they consume scripture is not reading, but it's audio or it's meditation or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if we don't feed on the Word of God, we're feeding on something else. And trust me, I've been eating lots of junk food in the last two years. doom scrolling, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. But it changes when you get scripture in you. Your appetite for the things of the world is, is, is just not as much there as well so that's that that's definitely one of the one of the uh um, metaphors what's what's another metaphor for the word of god let's see do we have someone in the chat does anyone want to type in the chat yes gary gary dude 10 points 10 points to gary the sword so the word of god is also a um is also a weapon right so i personally feel like the last two years is a bit of a zombie apocalypse and so we all need basically a weapon right and often we're just getting into the world without any um any protection and and basically going out into the world this this armed right and so The Word of God is not only a weapon, we say the Word of God is light. In the book of James, it says that the Word of God is a mirror. It helps us see better. And I think one of the things that's going on in the world right now is there's so much deception. There's so much distortion. We need the Word of God to help us see better. Um, And finally, the Word of God is also a seed. You know, we want to be fruitful. We want to be flourishing. Then we need to be sowing um, and, and, and and be tending on the soil of our hearts with God's word. And so, you know, I, that's why I wanna encourage all of us to lean in. Um, like I said, the Bible reading plan is at the bo- bottom there. Um, it's, it's gonna be easy to go through. We're starting with the book of Luke. So if you guys have been reading that, you know, you're already kind of like caught up. Um, and I just really wanna encourage us to really lean in, um, you know, find a partner, partner up. And I really do believe that that will make a massive difference um, yeah, that, that will make a massive difference in our lives. So commit to daily devotion, hashtag CDD. <laughs> is that going to catch on? CW, I don't know. We'll see. But I, 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 the other thing that also Jesus identifies himself is he identifies himself with the word. Right? He identifies, he says, I, like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and so if we're going to be Jesus centered, I think these two things is going to really help us if we focus on His Word and if we focus on His body, Um, and and that is the church. And I think if we do that, then that is going to help us be like Peter walking on water, that we won't just have confidence to step out of the boat, but we'll have consistent confidence that we can take one step after the other. Um, And yeah, I, I believe for each of us that God has amazing things, awesome things for us. Individually, but I also believe that God has amazing things for us as a church and as a community, and those are, you know, two of the things that I want us to, to, to focus on. Which is really simple, really basic. But I think if we nail those things, um, we're not, you know, it won't just set us up for this year, but it will it will set us up for life. Amen.